Jesus, truly a friend. Welcome to Cutting It Straight with Pastor H.B. Charles Jr., author, pastor, teacher at Shiloh Church in Jacksonville and Orange Park, Florida. In today's text from Mark chapter 2, Pastor Charles will show us how Jesus sees beyond what others see, but what by grace you have become. Today's message, Jesus a friend of sinners. And now, here's Pastor H.B. Charles, Jr. Mark 2, verses 13 through 17. For our guests, we're studying the life and ministry of Jesus as recorded in the second gospel in the New Testament chronologically. It is the first gospel historically. And in some regards, the other writers draw from Mark's record. We are in Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, and the reading is this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Amen. Amen. You may have your seat. I want to label the message the friend of sinners. The friend of sinners. As I studied this passage this week on several Occasions I bumped into the story of a young woman who lived long ago somewhere in England. She was in a relationship with a man of another race, as the story is recorded. She had become pregnant, had a child. They were living together outside the blessed boundaries of marital wedlock. But she heard that the church nearby was hosting a series of meetings for women, and she dropped in and was blessed, helped, moved by what she heard. So she came the next week, and she came again. Until after one of those meetings, the minister of that congregation asked her not to come again. Responding to her bewildered expression, he explained, 
that the other women in the group did not feel she fit in and said that if you continue to come, they would no longer come. And I can't, as the minister, permit that to happen. So unfortunately, I have to ask you not to attend again. She mustered up the strength to ask the minister, where do you recommend I go to find help from Jesus? He had no answer. But in the gracious providence of God, she bumped into Salvation Army workers who led her to saving faith and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. As much as I've tried to ignore that story this week after reading it multiple times, it has lingered with me because of its bad news and its good news. The bad news, unfortunately, is that there are churches that turn away people who most desperately need the help of Jesus. But the good news is that Jesus never turns away anyone who comes to him for help. Jesus is the friend of sinners. That's the point of Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, and its record of the call of Levi. There is tension between Mark 1 and Mark 2. As you read the stories of Jesus in Mark chapter 1, you will find that there is a sense of admiration that the common people have for Jesus as they hear his teachings and see his works. But in chapter 2, we move from the adoration of the crowd to the criticism of the religious leaders. In the opening passage of this chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, the religious leaders criticized Jesus, accusing him of blasphemy. As Jesus equals himself with God by announcing a paralytic man's sins forgiven. Now, in the text before us, they will criticize Jesus again because Jesus associates with the wrong kind of people. But what they present as a reason for condemnation, Jesus wears as a badge of honor. And it is the good news I want to share with you today. Jesus really is a friend of sinners. In verses 13 and 14 of the text, we see that Jesus befriends one sinful person, and then in verses 15 through 17, we see that Jesus befriends, well, we see Jesus only befriends sinful people. Let me walk you through the text under those two main headings. First, 
The text teaches us that Jesus befriends one sinful person. Verse 13 sets the scene. He went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. And after that general setting, verse 14 introduces us to the drama of the text. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. In this 14th verse, Jesus calls Levi and Levi follows Jesus. First, Jesus calls Levi. We are introduced in this 14th verse to a man named Levi, who is only called here Levi. In the rest of Mark's gospel and in the parallel passages, Matthew 9, 9 through 13, and Luke 5, 27 through 32, Levi is called Matthew. That Matthew, the writer of the gospel of Matthew. In this text, Mark records how Jesus called Matthew. He's named here Levi, which very well may have been his birth name, while Matthew probably became his Christian surname. Jesus calls here Levi to be his disciples, to be his disciple. It's an individual call. Feel the tension between verse 13 and verse 14. All the crowd was coming to Jesus. Then verse 14 says, he saw Levi. Aren't you glad that with Jesus you're never lost in a crowd? In the midst of a crowd, he saw Levi, and he sees you. And he sees beyond what others see. He sees beyond what you've done and beyond who you are and beyond where you've been. He sees what grace can make you become. In storage was a large piece of stone that was considered a waste by many. Two artists had endeavored to create a statue from it unsuccessfully until Michelangelo saw it. And while others saw wasted stone he saw a 17-foot statue of King David. And it's the way Jesus sees. While others may see trash, Jesus sees treasure. And in the midst of the crowd, he calls this one man, Levi. It's an individual call, but it's also a gracious call. 
In Mark 1, 16 through 20, Jesus calls two sets of brothers who all four were fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James, and John. That's an important passage because it tells us Jesus uses common people like you and me. He didn't go to the temple and find scholars, scribes, and Pharisees to be his disciples. He went to the Sea of Galilee and found common men. But now added to that, Mark 2, 13 through 17 tells us that not only is grace willing to use common people, grace is willing to use low-down people. Like Simon and Andrew, James and John, Jesus found Levi at work at his tax booth. Forgive me. In my head, every time I read tax booth, I automatically mentally paraphrase it and picture Levi sitting at his desk in one of those payday advance joints <laughs> that take advantage of needy people in poor communities. That's Levi. He's a tax collector. He is conspiring with the occupying powers of the Roman government to oppress his own people. He has represented them in collecting their flat tax from the community. He makes his living by extortion, whatever he can get, by whatever means above that flat rate is his to keep. He has become rich by skimming the cream off of other people's milk money. When the text pictures him as a tax collector, think, Loan shark, gangbanger, drug dealer, all mixed into one. He's, a, he's not just a common man, he's a crooked man. But Jesus was able to look beyond the mistakes of his past. And Jesus saw in him what nobody else could see. Everybody knew him as a crooked tax collector. But when Jesus saw him, he saw an apostle who would write the gospel of Matthew. Are y'all in here with me? Aren't you glad? I know you dressed up for church, but aren't you glad Grace stoops down to pick up low down people who are unworthy? It's an individual call, a gracious call, but also an authoritative call. Jesus invites people by saying, come to me. This is no invitation. This is no gracious invitation. This is a divine command. Follow me. This is the basic command of Christian discipleship. True Christians don't just come to Jesus and then go back into their lives to do their own thing. To be a Christian is to both come to Jesus and then follow Jesus. The mark of a Christian is obedience to the commands of Jesus. Luke 6 verse 46, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and won't do what I tell you to do? It's a command to obey, but then it's also 
a call to relationship. Listen to Jesus say, follow me, not go to church. Church is important. I'm glad you're here today. I hope you'll come back next week. But the church cannot save you. Only Jesus can. And he says, follow me. Follow me. Levi follows Jesus. That's the last line of verse 14. It just says, and he rose and followed him. He followed Jesus immediately. This is the effectual call of sovereign grace. When God calls, he enables the hearer to respond to the call. Notice that Levi did not go looking for Jesus. Jesus found Levi and called him. Levi answered, not because of anything in Levi, but the grace that called him was irresistible. And if you are right with God today, let me be clear. It's not because you are better, smarter, or wiser than anybody else. If you have trusted Christ for salvation, it is because he called you and his grace wooed you to the cross. He followed Jesus immediately and he followed Jesus completely. But you notice in the text that he was at his tax booth. He was on his job. He was doing his work. He was clocked in. He still had hours to go. But when Jesus called, he rose and followed him. He left money on the table. Account books on the table. List of IOUs on the table. But he left it all to follow Jesus. Mark 1, 16 through 20, Peter, Andrew, James, and John leave their fishing business to follow Jesus. But when things got bad, Peter went back fishing. When Levi leaves his government job, he cannot return after he has left. In fact, very likely he became a wanted man as the authorities assumed that he disappeared because he had stolen money. It cost him everything. To follow Jesus. I'm not saying that if you follow Jesus today, you need to go tomorrow and quit your job. <laughs> but what this text is saying, that to follow Jesus is a total commitment. I read of a king who was converted to faith in Christ. And he went to the chapel to pray and told the Lord. I'm going to renounce my throne. So I can serve you. And the Lord responded to his prayer by saying, no, stay on your throne and serve me. I'm suggesting, friend, that you don't have to give up everything to follow Jesus, but you got to serve him with everything that you got. Everything that you have. Everything that you are. 
here. Levi would laugh at the, in the face of the prosperity preacher who would say, if you follow Jesus, you can become rich. Levi would tell you, I was rich till I met Jesus. And he gave up everything to follow Jesus. And friends, to follow Jesus is a total commitment, not just a Sunday morning activity. And there'll be times when it will cost you something to follow Jesus. But I'm glad to report that whatever it costs you to follow Jesus, it's always worth what it costs. After Jim Elliott was martyred for his faith in Christ, they found in his journal this epitaph. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It is worth following Jesus. Levi did. Jesus befriended this one sinful man. And then the rest of the text, if I may summarize, shifts to tell us that after Jesus befriends one sinful person, verse 15 through 17 says, Jesus only befriends sinful people. What he did for Levi was no fluke. He became friends with a sinner man that day. But in the rest of the text, Mark is trying to tell us sinful people are the only kind of people Jesus makes friends with. Some of y'all, excuse me, are too good to be friends with Jesus. Because he only befriends sinful people. Jesus hangs out with sinful people. Verse 15 says, and he reclined at table in his house with many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples for there were many who followed him. Friend, Luke tells us along with Matthew filling in the blanks that after he followed Jesus, Levi threw a party. A party for several reasons. He threw a party to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, he threw a party to make an announcement to his family and friends that old Levi was gone. And a new Levi has arrived. And then he threw a party so that his old friends could meet his new friend named Jesus. So here is Jesus with all kinds of tax collectors and sinners. I don't have time to walk through that. That's no pulpit excuse for poor exposition. I don't have time to dig in that. It's a significant phrase used three times in the text. But just imagine this afternoon, you take some family members and respectable friends and business associates to dinner, and you walk into the restaurant and you're seated and you see your pastor chilling at a table with all kinds of people you don't think your pastor should be associating with. 
That's how the room felt that day. But while the onlookers might have been ashamed of what Jesus was doing, Jesus gladly was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. I, I wish you were getting what I'm trying to say. We're only saved because Jesus has the grace to hang out with people he really shouldn't be associating with. He associates with Levi, the tax collector. Well, for that matter, the Lord hangs out with drunks like Noah, liars like Abraham, cheats like Jacob, rebels like Jonah, tax collectors like Matthew, persecutors like Paul, deniers like Peter, doubters like Thomas. Thank God he hangs out with unworthy sinners like you and me. Jesus hangs out with sinful people, and then Jesus heals sick people. Verse 16 says, the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he doing this? If he really knows God, why is he hanging out with these kind of people? They feel like they have means of discrediting Jesus. Look at verse 17. The coward religious leaders don't complain to Jesus. They go tell his disciples. But when Jesus hears it, verse 17, he speaks up for himself. Charles Spurgeon was right. You don't have to defend the Lord. He'll defend himself. You know, you don't have to defend the lion, just let him loose. He'll defend himself. Jesus defends himself by declaring, it is not well people who need a doctor, but sick people. And I came to call the right, not the righteous, but, but the sinners. There's a proverb Jesus quotes here. Those who are well, have no need for a position, only sick people. Jesus is not denying the importance of preventative medicine. In fact, statistically, healthy people see doctors more than sick people, and that's a good thing to practice preventative medicine. Jesus is not denying that. He's, a, he's emphasizing that the fundamental reason doctors exist is for the sake of sick people who can't help themselves. And he says, what good is a doctor who refuses to be around sick people? Are y'all in here with me? Every one of us in here is sin sick. We may not have the, the whole stream of the disease. But all of us are sin sick. And one thing is in common. Because your sin ain't my sin. And my sin ain't your sin. But without grace. 
All of our sin is fatal and will send us to hell. We are sin sick. We cannot help ourselves. But the good news is Jesus is the great physician. And there is no sickness of the soul that Jesus cannot heal. Isaiah 53 verses 5 and 6 says, He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friend, Jesus came for sick people. And after quoting this proverb, then Jesus just states his mission in plain terms. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's literally true. Righteous people don't need the saving work of Christ. Only sinners do. If you good enough to get to heaven on your own, you don't need Jesus. Just righteous people, they all right. Just sinners need Jesus. That's literally true. But also it's ironically true. Jesus is saying to righteous people who think they are righteous, you're not as righteous as you think you are. He's here for everybody. Can I just tell on everybody in here? Everybody in this room is sin sick. It's only two categories of sin sick people in this room. There are those of us who know we are sick. And the others who will leave here talking about what's wrong with everybody else here today. Because we think ain't nothing wrong with us. But the truth is all of us are sinners. Who will have to answer to God for how we've lived our lives. And there's nothing good in us to commend to God. All of our righteous deeds fail to live up to his perfect standard. I wouldn't trust the best five minutes I've ever lived to make my case to get me to heaven on good works. I'm not saved by what I do for God. We are saved by what God did for us through the bloody cross and empty tomb of his son, the Lord. Everybody in here, uh, I ain't going back to church. This is some ill Bad people in church and hypocrites in church. There's some hypocrites at your job. You going there tomorrow, though. They can't talk you into staying home. You going. No matter how many hypocrites at work, you going. You, you, you don't stay away from the hospital because sick people are there. You need to see your doctor. You don't care what other sick people are there. You determined still to see your doctor. And the, and the church is a hospital for souls, not a museum for saints. Every
everybody in here is sin sick with something. I admit, some of us in ICU and some of us getting ready to go home, but, but all of us are sick. But the good news is, whatever the sickness is, Jesus is able to cancel your debt, to conquer your problems, and to change your personality if you trust in him. I'm finished. God be praised for his word today. Thanks for listening to Cutting It Straight with Pastor H.P. Charles Jr. If you would like more resources from Pastor Charles or to support this ministry, he can be reached online at www.hbcharlesjr.com. That's hbcharlesjr.com. Join us again for Cutting It Straight and God bless.